Good afternoon, Minecrafters, and welcome to Season 2. This is Episode 50 total, and today we're going to talk about the match, the spark, and the fan. What we're talking about today is motivation and how to motivate ourselves when we're just not feeling it. So, you know, first of all, just so we're all on the same page as we say, you know, let's just talk about motivation in general. What is motivation, right? Motivation is a process. You know, it's it's not something we can pick up at the grocery store. You know, sometimes we'll hear people say, oh, I just, I have to get motivated. I have to find motivation. You know, like we're on a scavenger hunt and it's, you know, behind the big rock by the tree or something. And that's just not the case. Motivation is a process and it's a process that uh, both ignites and paves the way for our own goal-oriented behavior. And of course, there are all kinds of theories about motivation and psychology. There's the drive theory and the instinct theory. And of course, one of my favorite psychologists, maybe next to Viktor Frankl, is uh, Abraham Maslow. Probably many of you have heard of his hierarchy of needs. So basically, without running that all around the block, that's he's spot on, right? Because without, you know, if, if, we're, if we're hungry, or even more so if we don't have water, we can't think about anything else. There's no, you know, book club, even virtually. There's no, you know, and even a walk, anything. If if we don't have enough water for ourselves and, and if we have kids and we have little pyramids underneath us because we're, we are also responsible for their little pyramids, if our most basic needs haven't been met and there's not enough food in the house and if there's a lingering eviction notice, then we certainly, you know, can't chase down any sort of, you know, higher needs, you know, such as, you know, self-esteem and belonging and, um, you know, and, and the meaning and fulfillment and things like that as far as the transcendence piece. So there's a lot to be said for that basic needs thing. And then, of course, it's important to, to know that there are two ways we are motivated in the most basic sense. So that's intrinsically and extrinsically, right? So extrin- extrinsically basically means it means external rewards. So paycheck, for example, is, is external. When we are seeking out external approval, that obviously counts. Um, searching, you know, a, a seeking out a promotion, an award, a trophy, a certificate, something like that. Um, and it doesn't mean they have to mutually exclude each other. Somebody can, you know, uh, receive a paycheck and love what they do, such as myself, you know, teaching and the whole well-being thing just fill me right up and over the top. And if I hit the lottery tomorrow, I'd still be a Champlain College teaching and I would still be doing all this wonderful Minecraft, you know, uh, well-being stuff like podcasts and different things because I absolutely love it. So they don't need to mutually exclude each other. And that's very important to know Though when we are solely in doing whatever it is for an external, you know, extrinsically for external rewards, that can get old pretty fast. And, you know, many of us may have been in a really good place, you know, before the pandemic with, we may have had little tricks for our own motivation, you know, knowing ourselves really well and kind of, we start to sense that a rut's coming or, or we slide right into one and then have this revelation that we're in a rut. You know, we can have, be in a music rut, a food rut, a clothes rut. And, you know, sometimes it just takes with these little tricks we do to, let's say a music rut, you know, change it up and listen to country Western. If you used to Motown or classical or whatever, 
even if it pains you for whatever the change is, it can really stir us up. Um, you know, changing, wearing something entirely different, pulling something out of the closet you haven't worn for a really long time, you know, changing up how you wear, whatever it is. F- food rut, I know there's a lot of food ruts going on and, you know, deciding that we're going to do, you know, Cajun night or something, which I tell you, I actually did that. And I made, I stepped out of the zone because I was getting into a food rut. It was around our youngest daughter's birthday, and we decided to do um, kind of like a Caribbean, well, kind of a mix of Caribbean and Cajun, I guess. We did, I made jerk chicken and a rum cake, and wow, did that throw us throw us into a nice new fresh, you know, uh, zone. And we had all these little tricks, right? And they work for the most part, and then especially when the weather gets nicer, it's a little easier. We can also start a new exercise regimen, pulling a friend. We know that works because then we have accountability to meet so-and-so on the corner to go for a walk. So we, many of us have these have these tricks that have worked up until now. And then nearly a year ago, the Rona virus hit and hit the world and the world closed. And now we're tired. We're beyond tired. tired. We passed tired probably a year ago, actually. And that led into exhausted, which we've also left behind. And now... We are in the deep throes of Rona fatigue, and even for the most motivated of us, a lot of these tricks just aren't cutting it anymore. You know, for uh, you know, some of us, they may have had you know, many, many of you out there may have had you know a lot of meaning in your work, and things are kind of cranking along fine. And now, since since things have changed, maybe you have more administrative stuff. You know, obviously there's less in person. So if you're oriented that way and very extroverted and get your charge that way, that's changed. And it's also <clears throat> difficult to share it with anybody because then we kind of revert back to, I really shouldn't say that I'm bored, exhausted, burnt out, maybe just really burnt out from staring at Zoom screens and and um, and maybe, you know, your job changing with less interaction and this and that. We Many of us don't want to say anything even to a, even to a trusted friend just for empathy reasons because you know there are so many people who have lost their jobs really so should we even though we're burnt out and not feeling inspired and not feeling meaning and work for some of us um, we're a lot of us are holding that in because we know we don't want to be insensitive to those who uh, don't have their jobs at all you know and then we do this thing with us with ourselves well at least we still have a paycheck and that is certainly a good place to land the gratitude place. Is a is a definitely definitely a great place to land. There's no question, and I think we still need to process. You know, we still need to process our feelings. It's not usually good. You know, we need to feel. We need to know what's what's going on inside of us. And I also just was just reading this morning a book. Um, sorry, an article in the New York Times by Tim Herrera, and and he wrote it when uh, we were about seven months into the pandemic, and it, it says something like, "I'm I'm not motivated. Help." And it's he and it's it's very good. And and I I've agreed with Tim for quite a while now because it's we've been saying some of the same things apparently. And now of course eleven months into the pandemic, and we are you know really rounding the corner with not even rounding the corner are we? We're still going full tilt with being fatigued and not knowing when anything's going to end. And now there's new the vax the vax is out. But there's all kinds of issues with who gets it and when, and now there's new strains out, and we keep having to pivot and change and adjust and adapt. And one thing um, that Tim says again, we've already been on the same page because 
we know for a fact, pre-Rona, during Rona, post-Rona, our relationships are number one, right? And we've talked about this with, you know, Marty Seligman, the father of positive psychology, says that. The favorite, very famous Harvard experiment on happiness says that. We know for a fact that that our people are, are having our people are, are how we get through. And that, of course, does not include the toxics because they actually do the reverse. We're talking about, um, you know, our positive relationships and not meaning perfect. It really comes down to, because that doesn't exist, that no, the people we know we can count on. We know, we know that we can truly count on. And so Tim, is, Tim says it in his article, and I've been saying it to my students for years, is that we need to reach out. And it can be really tough, especially during a pandemic when we're limited as to how we can reach out. You know, now it's it's all virtual. And of course, thankfully, we have that because had this pandemic happen 30 or 40 years ago, it'd be even, I would think, it'd be even worse because we wouldn't even have the, the Zoom meetings as much as they fry our brains. At least it's something, right? And so we need, you know, to reach out is just really the number one and then he moves into the next thing, which I've also been saying recently, not just to my my Minecraft college students, but also, you know, we've been talking about it with our seasoned friends and, and our colleagues. And so regardless of age, age range, the tip of acceptance is so huge. And I realize it sounds cliche and nobody wants to hear that. And I don't blame anybody, though. The, the, the fact is, though, that acceptance is the key to most problems. It's just true. And it doesn't mean in a, like wave the white flag in a, in a, you know, total surrender kind of give up sense. I don't mean that because resilience is really what we need here. And acceptance can really help with resilience, really, really help it in it when it's not in a defeated sense. It's just a general acceptance of this is how it is right now. And a lot of people who talk about getting back to normal, and this is what I've been talking a lot about with my friends and colleagues is that didn't happen. So I think as soon as we all accept that that isn't happening and look forward, um, mostly be in the moment. Okay. But then, you know, you know, realize that the future is going to look different. It's not going to be how it was pre-Rona. It just isn't. And I think the faster we kind of arrive at that place and, and realize that, you know, being accepting and kind of, willing, willing to, to bend and be fluid with what's going on, the better off we will be cognitively speaking. There's no, no question. So, um, so Tim kind of says this differently, you know, or similar, similarly, but differently. We're both saying the the same thing though, is that, you know, acceptance is really the key to, you know, our well-being and optimal human functioning and you know, just feeling good. And, and he says, don't pretend these are normal times. Don't pretend. I like that. Pretending is great. Even as grownups, charades and fun things and play is very important as grownups and pretending obviously for little kids and whomever sandbox yard. But uh, although pretending when, you know, in, in reality, what we want to embrace the real too, we need to really get that this is what what's happening. And when we kind of resist that, it doesn't tend to go well for us, right? And just like Carl Jung says, that which we resist will persist. We know that to be true. So Tim says, don't pretend these are normal times. And then he says, of course you feel less motivated 
in both your work and professional lives because everything has changed. And acting is if we simply adapt and get back to our normal routines and levels of output only thing makes things worse. Oh my gosh, I can't agree enough, Tim, if you're listening, because because there, we're not getting back to any normal. What is that anyway? You know, if things are going to be different from here on in. And then he says, um, the cultural disruption we're facing is unlike anything anyone has experienced before. Accepting that it's okay to not feel as inspired as you once did a year ago can help us to adjust to this new way of life. So he's getting right back to that acceptance piece. And the other thing I, I like that he that he does here is he kind of helps us to give ourselves permission to feel how we feel. And if we're not feeling as inspired as we were before, that's okay. You know, we can just kind of toss some 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 love and and self-compassion in our direction and, and also patience. Very, very important. And then uh, he goes on to say with quotes here, this is coming from Dr. Danielle Harston, a Howard University College professor, and she runs a uh, psychiatry residency program, apparently. So Dr. Danielle says, allow yourself some grace. She says, change and modify your expectations. Everyone is not starting a new business, a new venture, a new platform, doing new research, a new diet or exercise plan during this time. I think that's what is portrayed a lot, especially on social media. Well, Dr. Danielle is singing my tune also because I can't say enough about how damaging social media is. And I'm, I'm not saying that it doesn't have some positives. Rarely in life are things all bad or all good or all anything or all anything else, right? As we say, it's a spectrum. And we know that the social comparison piece that goes along with social media does is a straight road. We know that to anxiety and depression and just overall, you know, decreased well-being. And so we're seeing so much out there about what we should be doing, should, 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 and what grab this opportunity now because you're home and you have the time and it's virtual partially or whatever. And that's that's not helping most of us, right? And then Dr. Dan Danielle adds, this country is going through a collective grief. She says the perception that we're not doing enough can be damaging to our psyches and be a demotivator in itself. An important step of just getting through the day is to acknowledge that it's normal and perfectly fine not to be productive and motivated. And if, and of course, I think most of us are well aware that whatever's going on in our lives, uh, no matter what it is, stress makes most things worse, right? And so uh, there's uh, Ariana Huffington in this article by Tim Herrera, the founder and CEO of Thrive Global, it says, she says that this added stress of feeling like you can't keep up just compounds the problem and makes you even less motivated and inspired. And I think this is true in general. You know, I have this talk in a different way with um, my Minecrafters sometimes when they say, you know, they actually you know, say, oh, there goes my anxiety again. And this is why that. And so now if it's not enough to deal with the anxiety or the depression, or whatever it is, now I'm feeling badly about feeling badly. So we call those secondary emotions. It just, it, they're compounding and it's, it's not helpful. And so Ariana goes on to say again, she says, it's the productivity paradox. For the last couple of decades, 
We have just focused on productivity. How do we optimize workflows? How do we have tech tools that make us more productive? How do we get more out of each minute? Oh my gosh, that is so, so, so true. And now we have the Rona, right? The Rona turned the, you know, turned the world into a spin and then it, you know, closed. And she says, now what we're seeing, and there's some research, is that stress and anxiety kill productivity. So you can have the most optimized work, workflows and tech tools, but if you're stressed out of your mind, you're not going to be as productive. Well said, Ariana. It Stress just throws wrenches, and stress and anxiety, because they're different, right? Stress and anxiety throw wrenches in, in the working memory, which is our main processing wheel, right? That gets things to long-term memory. It's how we learn. I mean, it's just so incredibly important. And so anxiety is, you know, the basically the limbic system in the midbrain just wreaking havoc and chaos. And stress, as we've discussed in, in earlier episodes, is wanting the present moment to be something other than it is, which brings us right back to the acceptance piece. Because when we let go of trying to get back to normal, whatever that means, and trying to, to guess about the future, whatever that means, that's where our emotional and mental energy is going. And it, when, it, where, you know, if we were just in the moment and accepting this, all of a sudden that emotional energy, that mental energy will not only calm down, but when we're able to be fully present, we're able to be creative and kind of come up with solutions in the here and now to make this day, this day, which is all we've got, even better. And then it's interesting. I was just scrolling down here. It's a perfect segue, actually, to where I'm ready to go next here. So Liz Foslian, uh, in also a part of Tim Herrera's article, co-author and illustrator of No Hard Feelings, The Secret Power of Embracing Emotion and Work. So she talks about, about everything has shifted. We know that, right? And in other episodes, um, talked about every day running one running into the other like Groundhog's Day and I think we've seen that a lot of places that if you've seen the movie it makes sense it just like it's it's like a redo which um we've talked about a lot too with um kind of breaking free from that making sure we get dressed in the morning and making sure we have a night routine because it helps with separating um one day from the next so uh Liz Fossling goes on and she says it's it's this weird place I'm sorry. She says, it's like there's no spark to life. It feels like the color has been sucked out of everything. So that spark thing is where I was headed anyway. So this is a lovely segue. She says, it's this weird place where we're doing the same thing every day as the world around us moves faster and faster and faster. And that is just exhausting. I couldn't agree more. And then we add in all the unknowns. And and, um, that's obviously the unknowns and is the source of of anxiety, right? The fear and anxiety, not knowing. And even though, you know, we keep being fed things and fed things and then there's something else and it changes. And that's been really hard and certainly harder for some than others, depending on wiring. And then, and then she says, I feel like nothing is, is uncertain. And then it's, I feel like nothing is uncertain. And that's really depressing. She says, and uh, Ms. Follian also echoes uh, Dr. Harrison's advice about being able to give ourselves, you know, like be patient with ourselves and accepting of ourselves and show ourselves, you know, some self-compassion um, 
when at, the, at those times when we just just aren't feeling inspired. And she says that making efforts to break up the monotony can really help us grab that little spark of inspiration. And that's where we're about to go now. So we're going to talk about the match, the spark, and the fan. So uh, where I'm headed with this, there's a really good uh, TEDx talk by Patricia Katz. And it's interesting because I I just used this in my Minecraft class this week. And I didn't think of it the last minute. I I used to use it for an entirely different class when we were an entirely different class. And we were going over um, middle adulthood because she's a midlifer wearing a really uh, snazzy red leather jacket. And she's sporting it. And she, her talk is actually about lighting a spark during midlife. And it's interesting because I ended up using it with my 18 to you know 22 year olds, basically, because it so fits now. So whether you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s or beyond, what we're about to talk about is is absolutely going to fit with whatever, you know, age range or, or life stage generation, whatever that that you're in. And the reason it fits is because of the Rona. So it's so last minute because I'm usually, you know, I'm very prepped and, and, and planned. And I also leave a lot of room for white space, thankfully. So right before class, I said, oh, my gosh, this is fantastic. And what a great activity this will be. And so when, you know, even though she uses the midlife reference, I've got, you know, these young adults who have been, you know, can, you know, in their dorms because of restrictions and their and our students, I have to say, I can't say enough about them. They're such rule followers. I'm not saying there wasn't one or two or a few who snuck out and did whatever, but for the most part, they are really adhering to the rules and we've praised them up and down. And it's also, they become conditioned at this point. So even when we let the leash out a little bit with the Rona rules, they're pretty much still staying inside. It's also winter and, and such like that. And so we did this wonderful brainstorm with the 24 five of them, 24 or five of them. And based on what Patricia Katz did in her own, when she hit 50, she just kind of all of a sudden just decided there's, you know, there, there are three ways to go here. And she talked about some of her midlife friends, which again is very applicable. And they actually agreed with me, very applicable uh, to my young adults right now. And again, what are the thirties or forties? And so she watched some of her friends. There are sort of three avenues to go. And one was resignation, just coming to this place of uh, the pandemic, you know, there's nothing I can do. It is what it is. I can't go to a movie theater. I can't do any of my outlets. I can't do any of my simple pleasures. I can't connect with anybody except Zoom, you know, rot, 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 resignation. And Patricia Katz said, hmm, not judging. I don't, you know, basically paraphrasing. I'm not judging that they're in that place. I don't think. That's the way I want to go. And then then the other way to go, she saw some of her midlife friends kind of go the detonation route, as she called it, which is they completely, obviously that insinuates explosion. We're not saying like in an angry or aggressive way, but basically kind of blew up their lives in a sense of just a complete makeover, which certainly has a time, you know, to completely career changes. All that change is good. We're not saying change, change isn't good. She was insinuating, implying that this was more of an impulsive throwing everything to the wind. And definitely in midlife, you've got a lot of irons in the fire, usually, you know, young adult kids and this and that. And and though there can be a place for complete detonation, not usually the way to go. 
And for the young adults, there are ways to just throw it all out too, right? Throw it all out. Just say, who cares? And why should I bother going to class anymore? Radical move. I'm just going to go do something else. And again, time for that too, though I'd probably say uh, most of the time detonation, meaning just exploding everything you have in, in line already, everything, not even leaving anything um, you know, untouched, it's generally not the best idea. So Patricia's like, I don't want to do that either. So first way, resignation, no, that's not me. Detonation, nope, I, I, I would like some change. I don't know that I want to change every single avenue of my life. And so the third option was exploration. And I have to tell you, um, my students loved this. And so we did this brainstorm after watching part of her video. We did this brainstorm as far as instead of getting into everything we can't do, all the ways that we're stuck, all the ways that we're in a rut, all the ways that we feel unmotivated, why don't we shift out of that and challenge ourselves, even if it's hard, challenge ourselves as a group. And I put them in little breakout sessions on Zoom and then I also had some face-to-facers. And wow, what they came up with. And I only gave them about seven or eight minutes. They came up with a lot. And so the prompts were, so here we go. How much variety do you currently have in your life? How much variety do you currently have in your life? And then I gave them just some bullets and they could go, you know, in different places. But food, clothes, people, music, activities, exercise, movie watching, all of it. And they came up with such good ideas about having a theme night, even within their own restrictions, to have just that amount of students over. Watch a, watch a genre that you've never watched before or rarely watched before. Come up with a, a theme themed um, food for the upperclassmen that have access to kitchens and have like, you know, that kind of uh, like, I don't know, uh, let's say like I did, like with occasion night, something like that. They came up with so many, so many things to do, changing up clothes, changing up music, changing up. They also came up with um, workshop ideas with self-compassion. And we'd be here for three more days if we talked about all their ideas. It's so many ideas when they came up with Mostly, I don't have a lot of variety in my life. I'm seeing the same four people and because that's how it's been. And so they completely turned that around. So that was the match that we're talking about. We need to find a match that ignites. Motivation is about igniting first. Three stages, match, spark, and fan. So the first one is the match. We've got to find a match and I've also got quite a few creatives in there. My, Minecraft seems to attract a lot of creative students for sure. And Patricia's match was creativity. She said, I realized she, when she turned 50, she's standing up there in her amazing red jacket, pulling it off well. And she says, you know, I, I kind of always knew I was creative. I need to stir the soup right now. I need to find my match and strike it. I need to strike a match. And she went searching for, you know, in herself, what type of art might I want to do? And she found a class, pottery or something, or I forget, painting pottery, something. And by the end of the week, she had signed up for a class. It was once a week. And she had bought all the stuff at the art store. And she was off and running. She said, what I left with, what was left with, which, you know, a bunch of paintings. But she was off and running. She had, she had struck a match that had, that had lit a spark. And she was off and running. And then she'll say, 
people will try to snuff out your spark sometimes. They'll say, why are you doing that at 50? Or if we're bringing into the young adult or 30 or 40 somethings, what, you know, what, you're swinging to the left with that. You're taking up line dancing, like for what? You know, maybe the owner that might not work as well, six feet apart, but you're taking up there. So you're doing that. You decide to start this and get a YouTube channel and do, you know, podcasts or something. Like really, there's so many of them out there. People sometimes just, you know, they want to rain on the parade a little bit. She says, keep rolling, keep rolling. Find the match that strikes the spark. And then the next step is to learn how to fan it. And and here's the reason. I love this match spark fan idea because a lot of times, uh, you know, kind of like we're talking about life balance too, in a sense, motivation, people, again, people think like, oh, I have to get motivated. I just can't find any motivation. Like it was in the closet and then somebody borrowed it and took it out of the house and it's no longer there. You know, like a ski jacket or something like where's where'd my jacket go? Somebody borrowed it. Now it's gone forever. That's not or, or a scavenger hunt thing. Like, oh, we'll go find the motivation behind the rock or we'll wait for the heavens to part. And, you know, the, you know, motivation gods will bestow us with motivation. You know, it doesn't work like that. And sometimes we have to, you know, make the effort, even though it can be hard. I'm not saying it's easy. You know, just like starting the running routine after it's been winter and getting off that couch might feel like it takes everything we have in us or whatever it is for you that, that you know, goes in that blank. And it, it does take that jump start. You know, I think of jump starting a car when the battery's dead or something. It takes that jump start, you know, with, with some energy output. And so, first of all, kind of looking inside ourselves, figuring out what that match could be. And then coming up with a concrete plan to strike the match, okay? And to get that spark, figure out what that spark is. And the spark is a class or the spark is anything that gets you going. Reading it, it might be even just reading an article. It might be just looking something up on the internet that you want to do. It might be talking to someone about starting a, a podcast or, a, or a, um, some sort of creative outlet you know, or some, uh, maybe a new business, maybe who knows, um, uh, you know, starting a, a doggy daycare, something like that, figure out what it is. It really makes your heart sing and strike the match, get the spark. Lastly is the fan. So we have to figure out once the spark is there, how to turn it into this blazing inferno that makes your heart sing with passion, sing with passion. And so I love the fan idea. Very renaissance I'm definitely more of a lighter fluid person because I like everything yesterday. Patience, again, wasn't something the good Lord put in my gift bag. So I'm the type that when the very patient people fanning on something to get it to, you know, kind of, you know, uh, become, you know, some nice solid flames, I'd much rather dump lighter fluid all over it to get that same inferno. But whatever works for you. And then that's when we're off and running because the thing with motivation is that striking that first match is the tough part. One good, really good thing about motivation is like a snowball, especially this, I'm looking at this beautiful snow out the window, wet, heavy snow. Once that match is struck and the spark is just even starting, fan it just a little, and it's like a snowball rolling downhill because motivation gains its own momentum. So once we do the heavy lift of the match striking, the motivation will really, truly pick up on its own 
and you will be off and running in a new direction, leaping out of your rut, leaping out of being stuck, which will have you happier and spreading the positive energy all over the place, which will then probably elicit motivation in those around you. So that's just a win-win all the way around. And this sounds like a great place to wrap up. So I'd like to thank all of you across the United States and this wonderful world of ours for listening today to our Minecraft podcast. And this is Kimberly Quinn signing off from Northern Vermont. Have a mindful day.